from Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA, the poisoning of a former Russian double agent in the UK. It is now clear that Mr. Skripal and his daughter were poisoned with a military-grade nerve agent. British Prime Minister Theresa May in an historic moment. The government has concluded that it is highly likely that Russia was responsible for the act against Sergei and Yulia Skripal. Russia was offered the opportunity to explain. They have treated the use of a military-grade nerve agent in Europe with sarcasm, contempt and defiance. And U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley says this is an urgent situation. If we don't take immediate concrete measures to address this now, Salisbury will not be the last place we see chemical weapons used. They could be used here in New York. Undisputed evidence that a new Cold War is underway. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. Sergei Skripal and his daughter Yulia were found slumped on a park bench in Salisbury in the UK on Sunday afternoon, March 4th, unconscious, suffering from exposure to an unidentified substance. On March 7th, police announced it was an attempted murder using an unknown chemical weapon. Aside from the Skripals, a police officer who responded to the attack became very ill as well. As many as 500 people who were in the area were advised to wash their clothing and possessions. Questions lingered about who did it and why. On March 12th, we got answers from British Prime Minister Theresa May. It is now clear that Mr. Skripal and his daughter were poisoned with a military-grade nerve agent of a type developed by Russia. This is part of a group of nerve agents known as Novichok. Based on the positive identification of this chemical agent by world-leading experts at the Defence Science and Technology Laboratory at Porton Down, our knowledge that Russia has previously produced this agent and would still be capable of doing so, Russia's record of conducting state-sponsored assassinations, and our assessment that Russia views some defectors as legitimate targets for assassinations, the government has concluded that it is highly likely that Russia was responsible for the act against Sergei and Yulia Skripal. Mr Speaker, there are therefore only two plausible explanations for what happened in Salisbury uh, on the 4th of March. Either this was a direct act by the Russian state against our country, or the Russian government lost control of its potentially catastrophically damaging nerve agent and allowed it to get into the hands of others. Either way, Russia could not escape the spotlight and the blame. The fact is, we have to just look at the bald facts of this, and Russia attacked Britain, essentially, with a weapon of mass destruction. Former CIA covert operative and cold warrior 
Robert Bayer. I, I don't really care that it was a it was an ex-Russian intel officer who had defected. I mean, this is just extraordinary. I mean, the, this never occurred during the Cold War, ever. I mean, this guy would have been off limits completely. The British government asked the Russians for answers. This afternoon, my right honorable friend, the Foreign Secretary, has summoned the Russian ambassador to the Foreign and Commonwealth Office and asked him, asked him to explain which of these two possibilities it is, and therefore to account for how this Russian-produced nerve agent could have been deployed in Salisbury against Mr. Skripal and his daughter. My right honourable friend has stated to the ambassador that the Russian Federation must immediately provide full and complete disclosure of the Novichok programme to the Organisation for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons. And he has requested the Russian government's response by the end of tomorrow. In that 24 hours, more fingers were pointed at Russia, specifically Vladimir Putin. I mean, Putin has about 10 of these cases out there where people mysteriously were killed. He tends to go after people who were with him or around him or part of his party or part of his intelligence service uh, that decided to break bad and go the other way. Uh, and to me, this is one of the last installments in that. And former House Intelligence Committee Chairman Mike Rogers says there's probably a couple of reasons why a 66-year-old former defector was targeted. Target of opportunity, it seems like they spent a lot of time and effort and energy trying to find out where these people are, that in this case he defected from Russia. Uh, he was a double agent for British intelligence and took the opportunity. And he does it in a way to let people know. This is about messaging as well, to let people know. Listen, if you do this, if you decide to cooperate with a foreign intelligence service, this is what happens to you. And we don't just kill you. We kill you with you know, polonium. We kill you with a nerve agent. Uh, we'll make your life uh, really painful and really miserable. This is this is Putin in, in quintessential Putin mode. And taking all of that into consideration, May knew what the UK had to do. We must now stand ready to take much more extensive measures. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mr. Speaker, on Wednesday, we will consider in detail the response from the Russian state. Should there be no credible response, we will conclude that this action amounts to an unlawful use of force by the Russian state against the United Kingdom. And I will come back to this House and set out the full range of measures that we will take in response. Mr Speaker, this attempted murder using a weapons-grade nerve agent in a British town was not just a crime against the Skripals. It was an indiscriminate and reckless act against the United Kingdom, putting the lives of innocent civilians at risk. And we will not tolerate such a brazen attempt to murder innocent civilians on our soil. But when May came back on March 14th, what she learned from the Russians was completely unacceptable to her. Mr Speaker, it was right to offer Russia the opportunity to provide an explanation. But their response has demonstrated complete disdain for the gravity of these events. They have provided no credible explanation that, they, that could suggest they lost control of their nerve agent. No explanation as to how this agent came to be used in the United Kingdom. No explanation as to why Russia has an undeclared chemical weapons programme in contravention of international law. Instead, they have treated the use of a military-grade nerve agent in Europe 
with sarcasm, contempt and defiance. So, Mr Speaker, there is no alternative conclusion other than that the Russian state was culpable for the attempted murder of Mr Skripal and his daughter and for threatening the lives of other British citizens in Salisbury, including Detective Sergeant Nick Bailey. This represents an unlawful use of force by the Russian state against the United Kingdom. And as I set out on Monday, it has taken place against the backdrop of a well-established pattern of Russian state aggression across Europe and beyond. And as a result, Britain's response was swift and strong. And in meeting out the punishment, May reminded, Russia has a history of doing this in the UK. Mr Speaker, the House will recall that following the murder of Mr Litvinenko, the UK expelled four diplomats. Under the Vienna Convention, the United Kingdom will now expel 23 Russian diplomats who have been identified as undeclared intelligence officers. They have just one week to leave. This will be the single biggest expulsion for over 30 years, and it reflects the fact that this is not the first time that the Russian state has acted against our country. Through these expulsions, we will fundamentally degrade Russian intelligence capability in the UK for years to come. And if they seek to rebuild it, we will prevent them from doing so. Second, we will urgently develop proposals for new legislative powers to harden our defences against all forms of hostile state activity. This will include the addition of a targeted power to detain those suspected of hostile state activity at the UK border. This power is currently only permitted in relation to those suspected of terrorism. And I have asked the Home Secretary to consider whether there is a need for new counter-espionage powers to clamp down on the full spectrum of hostile activities of foreign agents in our country. In response, Russia, angrily, as expected, kicked out 23 British diplomats. But also, it sought to blame others for the attack, including Ukraine, runaway Russian oligarchs, United Kingdom intelligence agencies, and Bill Browder, a thorn in the side of the Russian government for years. Browder is the CEO of Hermitage Capital, a firm that the Russian government, he says, stole $230 million from him. And he's also the person responsible for the Magnitsky Act. And you'll hear from him soon on Target USA. But after a short break, if we don't take immediate concrete measures to address this now, Salisbury will not be the last place we see chemical weapons used. UN Ambassador Nikki Haley lays down the law about Russia and chemical weapons at the UN when we return to Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. As pressure continues to mount on Russia and blame continues to grow as well for the poisoning of the Skripals, in the UK, it's sought to avoid the public spotlight and any engagement with other world members about it. But there is an unavoidable moment that took place on the floor of the United Nations on Friday, March 15th, and the unmistakable remarks from UN Ambassador Nikki Haley set the record straight. The Russians complained recently 
that we criticize them too much. If the Russian government stopped using chemical weapons to assassinate its enemies, and if the Russian government stopped helping its Syrian ally to use chemical weapons to kill Syrian children, and if Russia cooperated with the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons by turning over all information related to this nerve agent, we would stop talking about them. We take no pleasure in having to constantly criticize Russia, but we need Russia to stop giving us so many reasons to do so. Russia must fully cooperate with the UK's investigation and come clean about its own chemical weapons program. Russia is a permanent member of the Security Council. It is entrusted in the United Nations Charter with upholding international peace and security. It must account for its actions. If we don't take immediate concrete measures to address this now, Salisbury will not be the last place we see chemical weapons used. They could be used here in New York or in cities or of any country that sits on this council. This is a defining moment. Time and time again, member states say they oppose the use of chemical weapons under any circumstance. Now one member stands accused of using chemical weapons on the sovereign soil of another member. The credibility of this council will not survive if we fail to hold Russia accountable. As the investigation into what happened in Salisbury continues, a group of scientists from the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons went to the UK to collect samples, to test them, to see exactly where they came from, and to help the UK and the rest of the world better figure out if Russia indeed was behind the attack on Sergei Skripal and his daughter Yulia. We wanted to figure out how this process worked for these scientists. So we spoke to one. His name is Dr. David Kay. He's a senior research fellow at the Potomac Institute just outside of Washington, D.C. And he joined us to explain what the likely process was for those scientists looking into the use of the nerve agent found in the U.K. Dr. Kay, it is um, 11.45 a.m. on March 20th, 2018, and there are a number of weapons inspectors uh, in the United Kingdom today uh, looking at the substance that was used to poison uh, Sergei Skripal and his daughter in Salisbury. You are a former or perhaps current in some respects um, uh, in weapons inspector. You're an expert in that field. Um, you're familiar with this process. What can you tell us about what you believe they are doing? Well, you know, to be exactly sure as what they are doing, it'd be a, it would be helpful to know exactly how much was preserved of the suspected sites where the British found evidence of the Novichok chemical weapons agent. I mean, I suspect that the current inspectors are, while they will try to sample any sites that have not been cleaned, are going to have a hard time because it would be normal that the British would decontaminate those sites almost immediately after sampling them uh, because you don't want the re other members of the public to come in contact with the agent. Um, what you will look for, as an inspector, what you'll look for is first signs of the actual agent itself. 
Now, I don't know whether this agent was deployed as a powder or in liquid form. Novichok agents uh, can be deployed in both states. Um, so you swipe services and you look for that. The other thing you will do is if you can gain access to it, people who were in fact uh, attacked by the agent uh, had the effects. And this include more than the two uh, principal people, others of the emergency service and public are reported to. You'll, you'd check their blood swab, uh, their nose, uh, look at urine samples to see if there are any signs of this agent. Now, this is a difficult job with Novichuk agents. Novichuk agents were designed specifically to avoid the standard chemical weapons detection technology used at the time in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s by NATO. Now, we do now have testing methods that will work, but it's still it's a difficult task. Uh, you've also got the issue of whether, in fact, all you can do is to use the samples that the British have already collected. Now, you don't like to do this as an inspector because you like to have complete chain of custody over your samples themselves. But after you collect the samples, uh, they go for analysis. Now, the OPCW, the Organization for Chemical Weapons Prohibition, uh, is based in the Netherlands and they have their own lab. They also have access to laboratories in countries like France, uh, Switzerland, the, uh, the U.S., to run parallel checks to be sure of what the results are. How big are the teams? Um, how do they verify their findings? Where do they do that kind of thing? The size of the team is really dictated by the task at hand as well as the access you can gain. Now, in the case of it occurring in the United Kingdom, uh, the Brits will be very open to having OPCW inspectors. Uh, I suspect the team is less than a dozen. Um, you will have people who are experts in doing environmental sampling, uh, how you gather, uh, you're, you're swabbing an area looking for signs. You will have some biomedical experts uh, because you're going to draw blood, you'd like to draw blood samples. Uh, and urine samples, although in this case may be restricted to looking at the samples the Brits have already collected uh, here. Um, and then how do you analyze it? It's, it's very standard analytical procedures once you get the samples back to a lab, uh, various gas chronometers and other techniques to break it down and to identify it. Um, like I say, you don't know. It may well be have been deployed in a powder state. The reason I say that is it's, it seems to have operated at less than the level of lethality that most of the Novichok agents, at least the later generation of Novichok agents developed by the Russians, would operate at. Um, I would normally have suspected, and this is one thing I think the Brits may well be doing, is re-examining previous assassinations that have been, or deaths uh, among Russians that have been carried out uh, in the United Kingdom to see if things that were previously thought to be heart attacks or strokes, other things might well have been a Novichok attack that you simply didn't recognize. Um, I suspect that if this had been only 
been really lethal and it had only been on one person, uh, you might have passed it off as a heart attack. I mean, you're dealing in one case of someone who was, I think, 60 in his late 60s, uh, not an and overweight, et cetera, not unusual to suspect a heart attack in that sort of case. Uh, so you, you're really going to have a difficult time probably identifying exactly what, how the agent was applied. Looking at what you know about this situation in Salisbury and the investigation into it, can you compare it to any situation like it in the past that you know of? Well, we now have a growing number of, of Russians who have died under mysterious circumstances, both in Russia as well as abroad. Um, you know, you, you have, although it's certainly not uh, Novichok, uh, you have the case, the earlier case in the United Kingdom of using radioactive plutonium. plutonium. Uh, and, you know, you have similar cases like that. I mean, I do not know of another proven case of Novichok agent, uh, but that may just be because it wasn't suspected, it wasn't looked for. We're hearing from a, f a former scientist who says that he, a chemist, who said that he worked for the, the government for almost 30 years. He's suggesting that, yes, they did this. They made this chemical, which is running counter to what the government has been saying. But he's also saying there are others who possess this kind of capability as well uh, to make this kind of, of weapon. Does that resonate with you? Well, I, I do not doubt. I mean, the general formula for Novichok agents is in the open uh, literature. Um, so I, I don't think it's a huge jump to believe that there are others who are capable of it. Um, I Do I know any who have? No. I mean, I you can assume that every state that has, feels itself exposed to possible Soviet earlier use, or Russian use today, investigated Novichuk's once their knowledge about it became generally available to try to, uh, detect, to detect and prevent uh, its use against their own forces. Um, that certainly includes, I believe, the United States and Britain, uh, French uh, as well. Um, whether individuals operating outside a government structure could do it. Uh, it's entirely possible. I mean, look, uh, we've had an earlier case, a much earlier case in Japan, of uh, where a religious uh, zealous uh, tried to weaponize uh, bio agents. So yeah, you can do it. Uh, I don't you know, one of the things that I'm sure the inspectors will be looking for, I'm, I'm certain the Brits have already uh, looked at, and that is one reason I think they're so firm in their conclusion, it being Russian origin, is to compare it to known samples of the Russian form of the various Novichok agents to see if it looks exactly like it. It's quite likely if it were done by others, you would be able to tell that it's it's not quite the same. Uh, there is a forensic signature uh, of most chemical agents that allows you to identify if you have a known sample as to whether they're similar to or very different from. Uh, and that's part of what inspector, inspectors will try to do.
the concern that many have right now, as you've already discussed, is that there may have been other situations like this that we simply could not get our minds around uh, at the time as being an assassination attempt because these weapons are, as you've also pointed out uh, in the past, can can have have different uh, impacts on on people based on how it's applied, how much is applied, where it's applied. Do you think authorities in the U.S. would want to take a look back at some earlier cases? Well, I think everyone will want to. There is a real difficulty um, uh, in past cases because you you, you probably don't have uh, the collection of samples that would determine it. Um, you know depending again on how they were applied, if the clothes are still available, uh, you might, certainly collection of bodily fluids is out unless an autopsy was done at the time and those samples were preserved. Same thing is true uh, if a full autopsy was done, lung tissue, uh, the way the heart reacted, you might be able to draw conclusions, but it's, it's going to be very difficult. Uh, and that is, quite frankly, the advantage of something like Novichok as an assassination weapon. Now everyone is on guard uh, and you will look for it. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's very hard if you don't immediately suspect it and go for the samples. I mean, in the British case, they had the advantage of environmental sampling at places where these two individuals had been during the course of a day. That was still a very wide net to cast to do it. But you can imagine that uh, if you were to go back a year or two years later, and particularly if it were not applied, I mean, that's a, a, a bit of a strange thing about this case. Uh, the British press report, for example, that a table where they ate was widely contaminated. Uh, it makes you wonder how it was applied uh, and uh it, it's quite frankly, if I were going to write uh, about how an assassination would be carried out, it would be much more direct than this. I'm a, I, I, I'm really personally curious about how the agent was applied in the case of this attack, because it, it's going to lead you to suspect, uh, well, maybe there are other ways than we've always thought you would apply this agent. All right. Well, thank you very much, Dr. K. I appreciate your time and your expertise today. Thank you. We're going to continue looking into this poisoning in the UK. And coming up in our next episode, we'll have an exclusive conversation with Bill Browder. He's the CEO and co-founder of Hermitage Capital Management. And he's got an explosive story to tell about Vladimir Putin. Now, the Russians are doing everything that they can to try to try to get me to try to kill me, to try to stop me, to try to intimidate me. Um, there are probably 250 people working full-time inside the Russian government at any given moment trying to destroy my life. Browder is a declared enemy of the Russian government, and specifically Vladimir Putin. You can find out all the details about why he says the Russian government is trying to kill him on our next episode of Target USA. Thank you for listening. And thank you for your support. Please subscribe to our podcast. And also let me know what you think. Send me an email at jgreen at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. I'm JJ Green, and this 
is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. Hey, podcast listener, this is Rob Sisternino. I'm the Rob, and Rob has a podcast, and the new season of Survivor is just getting started, and we've got new episodes for you five days a week. Join us for interviews with your favorite past Survivor players and this season's losers right after they get their torch snuffed. Listen free to Rob Has a Podcast, exclusively available on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the Podcast One app. And if you like the show, why not share it with a friend or leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.